0: Hello, my friends. What would happen if Justin Trudeau said vaccines are mandatory and if you don't take them, you go to jail? I know that sounds crazy, right? Well, it sounded crazy in, um, in New Zealand and Australia, but I think that's sort of the point they're at. If that comes to Canada, is anyone going to even speak against it? I look into that question today. I also talked to our friend Andrew Lawton about the documents that were released in parliament about the WE Charity. I hope you enjoy the show today and let me encourage you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's just eight bucks a month and uh, you get the video version of this podcast. Go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, parts of Australia and all of New Zealand are under martial law. If Trudeau tried that, would anyone here stop him? It's August 20th, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Why? consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government is to go buy It's because it's my bloody right to do so. You know, I criticize left-wing civil liberties groups, but I sometimes feel a burst of optimism. And I join them and I even donate to them. Maybe because I hope they'll get better. Or maybe because if I'm a member, maybe they'll listen to me more than if I weren't. It hasn't always worked. I joined the Canadian Civil Liberties Association uh, and I think I make a monthly gift to them. Nothing huge, but enough that I actually got a phone call by one of their donor development people. I don't know if I told you this happened a few months ago. Let me tell you the story of this briefly. This was in the early days of the pandemic, I'm guessing it was in April, and the economy was absolutely locked down, just devastated, and all the fundraiser, the Canadian Civil Liberties fundraiser on the phone wanted to talk about, though, was Black Lives Matter. Now, it was a white leftist fundraiser, I think. Um, So I listened patiently and politely, I'm a member, you know, and he just wouldn't want to talk about anything else. Um, uh, You know, you would think that civil liberties being the middle name of that organization would be what he wanted to talk about. But he wanted to talk about Black Lives Matter, which is more an American thing. Now, we had launched the fightthefines.com campaign. You know what I'm talking about? We've taken 11 cases in the public interest, civil liberties, citizens who have been bullied under inappropriate pandemic fines and rules. So we were out there fighting the good fight. But bizarrely, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association wasn't. And I get the phone call from them. Now, I think this should have been their shining moment. It really was... You know, touching on martial law, like the October crisis, locked in your home, locked out of your business. Maybe like the G20 crisis in Toronto. And the civil liberties group was literally doing nothing. No lawsuits for freedom. No pushing back of the government. All they wanted to talk about on the phone was Black Lives Matter. An American movement, an American concept, so weird and alien here in Canada. In Ontario, the, the place that abolished the slave trade in 1793 so being my famously polite self i told this guy on the phone that if he really wanted a donation from me and if he really insisted it be a black thing all right fine i told him about this street that i know in toronto it's called eglinton avenue west and there's a, a two or three block strip that has got to have a dozen barbershops shops on it it is quite something i love pointing that out to, to the kids when i drive by have you ever heard of such a thing just a couple of blocks Barber, 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 barber. I I should add one more important point. They're black barbershops. It's a Jamaican neighborhood, other Caribbean folks too. So there's lots of specialty barbershops and they're always full, not just because their customers like to get haircuts and hairstyles, but because at least as far as I can tell, barbershops there are sort of like pubs in another community. They're a place where people come by and say hi and chat and catch up on the latest news and gossip and sports and whatever. And people might hang out there for half the day almost like a little community hall or like a legion hall or something. I mean, it's like the haircut is just an excuse to get together as a community. It's quite a thing, this strip of a couple of blocks. I like driving by. I haven't got a haircut there. I don't know if they do hair like mine. Anyways, I love that uh, few blocks. And of course, that was all shut down uh, because of the pandemic. And I don't know if you remember, but our David Menzies went out there and spoke to these heartbroken barbers, whose businesses, and indeed much of their lives, just got banned from the government. Did you ever see this clip? Sir, why aren't the barber shops open in this province in
1: Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, British Columbia? They're open there now, so why not in well, Ontario? To, the, the, the people have to talk to Doug Ford. Yeah. To do something for the barbers all over in Toronto. Yes. And we need help. Yeah. Everything just cut off. Yeah. everybody praying that one day will be up again we just don't want to sit down and have business and the business them clothes like barber shop everybody want a nice haircut look fresh to take out the ladies i go somewhere we, all the places them lock. Yeah, you over there everywhere locked to the corner oh I, I feel your pain
0: and i would imagine the barber shops here sir it, it's more than just a place to get your
1: hair cut it's a place to come in uh, socialize. socialize with each other, yeah. talk about things, how you feel about what's happening right. and what can we do to make things better. So you looking forward to the barber shops reopening? Yeah, yeah every day. We need hair and barbers need to take care of their family too. They, like must be, they must be suffering. they suffering a lot as they can't come out here to do no work. People are suffering. So we want the Premier to do something for the barbers and the citizens of Canada.
0: Now I knew that and I, I knew, I, I like those guys. I like that they're hard working. And I gotta tell you, being a barber is hard work. It's like being a restaurant owner or, or a waiter. You're on your feet all day. It's not high paying work. You're hoping for tips. You have to pay everybody else first, the landlord taxes, whatever, it's tough. And these guys don't wanna be on welfare. They just wanna be able to work and they were banned by the government. So I said to this fundraiser from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, all he wanted to do was talk about black things, he's a white guy. And well, I got I just got caught up in the moment, I was trying to think positively, I got caught up in the moment, and I said to this fundraiser, I said, tell your boss, Michael Bryant, he's a former liberal politician who now runs this place, I said, tell Michael Bryant that if he wants to fight for black people, I'm with him, and I really said this. I, just got carried away i said i would personally donate five thousand dollars to the canadian civil liberties association to go to court for these black barbers of eglinton avenue west by the way the civil liberties office is on eglinton avenue east not far away so i mean look michael bryant and the ccla they don't even need the money they have in-house lawyers they have pro bono lawyers but if they're so obsessed with race which i think is weird because they're so white and so liberal. Um, but fine, okay, I'm in. Here's five large to help fight for civil liberties of hardworking black Canadians. I can get into that. So imagine you're this, fun, uh, you're this young telemarketer and you're expecting maybe I'll give you 100 bucks on the call, and you get an offer of 5,000 bucks. Well, that would make your day. You're probably on commission. Maybe, maybe you're going to get 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks of that donation. I don't know how they work there. I said, Tell Michael Bryant I'm good for 5K. If he helps one of those black barbers, black barbers' lives matter. How's that? Well, it won't surprise you to learn that I never heard back from them. They still take my monthly donation, but they didn't get the five large. I, I think they should have taken those cases for free as part of their mission, right? Civil liberties. So if they're not going to take it for free, they're not going to take it for five grand because they just don't want to take those cases. They don't want to fight this pandemic lockdown. They still don't. Seriously, scroll down their website here. Kids in class, but, but the civil liberties group isn't suing to stop the weird unscientific rules that kids are now subjected to with masks and shields and weird plastic cages. That photo's not even accurate. Not a peep from them about that. Scroll down. Coronavirus. Okay, you've got my attention, but read the fine print. We're monitoring the response to COVID-19 to ensure it's based on science, and it's not unnecessarily intrusive to our civil liberties. Okay, so you're monitoring the situation. You're not actually going to do anything. You are just going to monitor things. If they get really really bad uh, they'll let us know and maybe someone else will do something thanks guys scroll down their website some more there's something Islamic I don't know what that is maybe it's about the hijab obviously they're for the hijab and then scroll down something about gay rights which Canada has by the way Uh, I'm for rights of gay people Muslim people kids blacks whatever to have civil liberties I don't care what color you are how about civil liberties so that's your Canadian Civil Liberties Association. The CCALA is AWOL, absent without leave. What's even the point? Now, I tell you all that because other than a few noble efforts by our friend John Carpe and his team at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, I just don't see a lot of people fighting back against the encroachment of our civil liberties in Canada. Do you? Where are all the opposition parties? Federally? Provincially? I think they're all too afraid to oppose, even though that's their job. There's one or two aldermen here or there who have opposed mandatory mask bylaws, but they seem to be few in number and obviously ineffective. Uh, Where's the opposition anywhere, left or right? In politics, in the media or, or the legal profession, academics? There are a handful, the Sick Kids Hospital, Toronto's excellent children's hospital, they uh, published a statement that kids should be able to go back to school, normalize things, saying that we're overdoing it on kids. They were ripped to shreds by political shriekers who won't accept any deviation from the official fear policy, panic-demic. There's that young doctor from Brampton, Ontario, who normally would be a national hero. She's a woman of colour, excellent, articulate, physician, politically involved for a long time. She should be a rock star on the CBC, she, but she says, hey, maybe we're overdoing it with the fear. Maybe there's something to hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. seems to be having a huge positive effect in other parts of the world, including those she knows something about. She's talked about Kerala in India. She <laughs> well, now she's literally being investigated by the College of Physicians and Surgeons for having a non-standard opinion, but she's a doctor. The social distancing fines that we went to that for a couple of months ago, they're being replaced with mask fines now. And do you doubt that'll be replaced by vaccine fines? Now I know I've told you this before, Trudeau's ordering 37 million syringes, the contract with a Chinese vaccine company affiliated with the People's Liberation Army in China. But now we see the template, not in some strange country, but in Australia and New Zealand, two countries quite similar to our own, culturally, legally, in temperament, Look at this. Breaking. Victoria Police has issued 168 lockdown fines in the past 24 hours. 24 weren't wearing masks and 48 were breaching curfews. Here are some examples. People thinking the virus is not that serious seems to be a trend. All right, let me, uh, here's a one-day compilation of what's going on in the Australian state of Victoria, where the great city Melbourne is. It's a city like Toronto, same size and importance, and it's under martial law. More strict than we saw in Canada in the FLQ crisis. Look at this. Are you looking? Someone just driving. That's the crime. Someone just walking alone. That's the crime. Did, did not have a valid reason for being out. Was more than 15 kilometers from home. Are any of those crimes now? You bet they are. Is there any medical science behind that? No. As I told you yesterday, more Australians under age 50 die from kangaroos than from this virus. This one's particularly telling a family was given a fine because they told police they didn't think the pandemic was serious. I think that's pretty clearly the meaning here. Maybe if they had the right attitude, they wouldn't have been fined. So you see, this really isn't about science. It's about obedience. These people were skeptics, so they were fined. Here's New Zealand, led by the ghoulish and ghastly Jacinda Ardern, the former head of the Socialist International Youth. She's got quarantines, and it's a life sentence. I think. What does this mean? What does this mean?
1: um, I've got a
0: number of questions about people, refuse. you know, what do we do if someone refuses to be tested? Well, they can't now. If someone refuses in our um, facility... facilities to be tested, they have to keep staying. So they won't be able to leave after 14 days. They have to stay on for another 14 days. So it's a pretty good incentive.
1: You either get your tests done and make sure you're cleared, or we will keep you in a facility longer. So I think most people will look at that and say, "I'll I'll take the test.
0: Oh, really? So indefinite jail time. She would never call for that for an actual criminal. And now the elections are being delayed over there. Seriously, Jacinda Ardern will not give up power as constitutionally required. Uh, As you can see, the virus stats in New Zealand went from five people in the hospital yesterday to six people in the hospital today. I'm serious, that is it, people. Enough to shred the constitution. So back to Canada, where we have a weak opposition that I fear is about to get even weaker where most of our media is bought off by Trudeau's bailout, a civil liberties group that won't do anything other than virtue signal about Black Lives Matter, just, just nothing. If, max, if vaccines become mandatory, untested, untrustworthy vaccines made in China to cure a disease that has a 99.9% recovery rate, who would fight back against martial law in this country? What happens if Trudeau sets up jails like Jacinda Ardern has done.
2: If there are people who are non-compliant, there are definitely uh, laws and and public health um, powers that can quarantine people in mandatory settings. It's potential you could track people, put bracelets on their uh, arms, have police and other setups to ensure quarantine is undertaken.
0: Look, I'm not into conspiracy theories. I'm just asking a question. Is there a single force, a counterweight in Canada that is stopping our country from descending further here? Or, I don't know, apropos of nothing, are you the kind of person who thinks that if you had been around in Germany in the 1930s that you would have fought or even spoken against the currents and stood on principle? I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying, At what point do you start to speak out? Stay with us for more.
2: Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we now know why Justin Trudeau shut down those parliamentary investigations yesterday. We have the documents right here. Let me start with an email from Michelle Kovokovic, one of the top Finance Canada officials. She, to start off with, says the Canada Student Service Grant is, quote, a bit of a shit show. And I'm quoting, excuse the language, but it's right there in the bureaucratic document. That's not how bureaucrats normally uh, communicate in their official uh, emails and memos back and forth. But apparently this highly respected public servant felt that it was an appropriate characterization. That was April 20th, exactly when the Kielbergers were in the process of negotiating to get this half billion dollar program set up. The same public servant writes another email to one of her colleagues in which she says that we is connecting with my minister's office. They are all besties, besties. The finance minister's office is besties with the WE organization that they're attempting to give a half a billion dollars.
0: Just incredible. That's Pierre Polyev, the man who I wish was running for the leadership of the Conservative Party, the only Conservative MP I can think of who has distinguished himself in the public sphere in the last six months. Can you name me? Another conservative MP or senator who has done anything of note, fighting against this government and anything important, I cannot, doing another outstanding job. He was effective when there was a grilling of Justin Trudeau and Katie Telford, a very brief grilling a few weeks ago. But as Pierre Polyev points out, All those investigations, all those parliamentary committees, and remember, in a minority government, the opposition actually has a majority of seats on these committees so they can hold hearings and call witnesses that the liberals can no longer block. Well, guess what? Justin Trudeau has prorogued parliament and dissolved all those committees. They cannot work. They do not have the power to subpoena or summon people. Justin Trudeau, with the snap of his fingers, destroys any investigations into him. Joining us now via Skype to talk about this is our friend from True North. His name is Andrew Lawton, and here he is. Andrew, great to see you again. Hey, likewise. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. Uh, I have in front of me a number of other emails, LinkedIn messages, little hellos amongst bureaucrats and between politicians and we. Boy, they sure were chummy. You heard, you know, Pierre Peliev quoting one of them saying that, The Kielbergers were besties with Bill Morneau, they were all part of the same family, really, political family, cultural family, and they sure treated each other that way lavishly, didn't they?
3: Yeah, and there was another email directly from uh, Craig Kielberger to Bill Morneau. Not, uh, dear minister, hello, minister Morneau, just, hi, Bill. Yeah. And that is not something you do when you're talking to a minister unless you have a, a really familial or personal or a, a more than collegial relationship. So I, I think the besties description is probably a pretty fair one here.
0: Yeah, uh, I have in my hands a note sent from Craig Kielberger to Ben Chin. Uh, the former uh, left-wing broadcaster who's now a senior advisor to Trudeau. And, he, and uh, Kielberger said, Hello, Ben. Thank you for your kindness in helping shape our latest program with the government. Warmly, Craig. And Chin responds, Great to hear from you, Craig. Let's get our young working. I mean, these, you know, Craig, Ben, besties. I mean, these, these were friends. And of course, listen, um, Kielberger gave Bill Morneau, who's a gazillionaire, gave him a $41,000 vacation for free. I can't even imagine what a $41,000 vacation is like, but it's enough to leave a memory on a finance minister who says, oh yeah, how many hundreds of millions do you want steered your way? Yeah, we're besties. This is the Lebranos, as we always feared it would be.
3: Yeah, and one of the things that really jumps out here is that it, it completely undercuts and undermines what the liberal Trudeau Morneau narrative has been, which is that oh, you know, the public service was the only one involved in this, and the government only just stepped in at the the very eleventh hour, and and Justin Trudeau actually tried to slow things down. You know, he didn't uh, just accept the recommendation; he actually said, I, I need to see more of this. And when you look through these documents, and I admit I haven't gone through all uh, five thousand pages just yet, but when you look. Through the documents, Ezra, the one thing that becomes apparent is, is that there was never a point in which this program and we and government ministers, Trudeau ministers, were not all involved in the discussion.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, um, one of the things that comes out, I mean, Craig Kilberger and his brother, uh, they're very much creatures of Toronto and Ontario and that uh, circle, but they really know where in French Quebec. Um, they're not bilingual. The organization is not bilingual. It's never been a thing. I think that's important for two reasons. Uh, first of all, it's a reason why the Bloc Quebecois is happy to stick the knives in. When it was SNC Lavalan, well, that was a Quebec company. <laughs> pride of Quebec. <laughs> yeah,
3: Quebec jobs are in a, a different class in Canadian
0: politics. Well, yeah, and you know, it really is a flagship Quebec company, SNC Lavalan. I, I do not excuse or tolerate their corruption, but. It's the leading engineering firm that's really Quebec built. I know why the bloc would be defensive of them, even though they're corrupt. We, they don't even, you know, we is the the word yes. And for we, we, may we, monsieur, they don't know what this we charity is all about in Quebec. It's just a bunch of Anglo, Toronto, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. So that's why the bloc is sticking the daggers in. But there's one more thing here. It goes to the point. Why would the government pretend that an Anglo-only celebrity charity for basically political insiders, why would anyone think they could uh, implement this national program in both official languages in all 10 provinces and three territories? And that's an issue that comes out in some of these internal memos. Um, People in government saying, hey, how come everything's only in English? How come the website's only in English? Have you forgotten that there's a world outside of Toronto? And I think they did forget.
3: Yes, and in one of them, there's actually an email where someone in uh, the civil service at some point is trying to say that they're not actually convinced that we does have the capacity to deal with this. So this idea that it was a sure thing that we could be handed the keys to this national program and the millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars that went along with it, which has always been what Trudeau has said about this, isn't actually aligning with what people in the government were actually saying about it, as this was working its way through the channels. However improperly, that process might have been manipulated.
0: Yeah, there's so many things in these emails, and it is sort of spectacular to hear Pierre Pauliev quote bureaucrats calling it a shit show. Um, you know, the, the Canada Student Service grant, bit of a shit show, and the way it's positioned right now is not exactly how we will go forward. Um, it's just, uh, like, this was a mess. And You know, one more thing these memos show is that the politicians, especially Bartish Chagger, they were lying about their communications with we. I mean, I think we is worried, uh, the Kielbergers should be worried of a criminal prosecution. I understand that uh, the slumbering lifeguard, uh, the RCMP that's been dozing th- for the last five years is maybe waking up and might, they might poke around here. If I were a Kielburger, I would be very scared, um, not just by this whole scheme to illegally lobby dozens of times to steer nearly a billion dollars their way, huge commissions and and overheads, but also the way they were handling so-called charitable funds uh, in in ways that do not look like charity to me. Uh, Very interesting, these documents don't lie, but the politicians who claim they didn't know, oh, I didn't talk to them, oh, I wasn't lobbied by them, this proves they're liars.
3: Yes, uh, that's, I mean, to go back to where I started off in this segment, Ezra, the one thing that's the most, I I think, smoking gun-ish of this all is that all of the Liberal government officials' positions uh, have really just been completely shredded through this, that they weren't involved and that the public service was just working on this and knew that only we could do it and then at the last minute handed it to Trudeau and said, hey, we need your sign-off. That didn't happen. The government was involved in this. And as that one email you read earlier on uh, indicated between uh, Mr. Kielberger and Mr. Chin, uh, the Liberals were actually helping this along. They were actually uh, ramming this through the process, not just uh, being passengers uh, for the civil service's little dalliance.
0: Yeah. Well, I got a question for you, and it's a heartbreaking question that I ask far too often. And it's do Canadians care? I mean, the first step is, do they understand the nature of these scandals? Maybe it's too technical, too obscure. Uh, Maybe it sounds like bureaucratic gobbledygook. Um, And if they do understand, or even if they don't, do they care? Do they care enough to withhold their love from Canada's national boyfriend, Justin Trudeau?
3: It's a tough question. I I think when we saw the SNC-Lavalin scandal break a a year and a half ago, a lot of Conservatives were saying, oh, this is going to be the end of Justin Trudeau. And, you know, I was among the more pessimistic types saying, no, 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 we we think he's going to skate here. I do anyway. And he did because people get over it. Now, the Wii scandal is a lot more clear-cut than SNC-Lavalin. You're not talking about things that people haven't heard of. So I I think it's easily digestible in a way that, that past scandals haven't been. But at the same time we also can look at what the Justin Trudeau government is trying to do now to get away from this, uh, halting the committee's investigations, which means that the Conservatives are going to be spinning their wheels looking over 5,000 pages of documents over the next month in the really the, the summer break is kind of just happening now. And then when Justin Trudeau comes back and puts forward a, a new budget and a new throne speech, it's going to be full of shiny things. It's going to be full of giveaways. it's going to be full of all the things that government is doing to buy your vote. And I, I do think that will distract, especially if the mainstream media decides that it wants to focus more on the American election than on Canadian politics, which we know is a, a possibility and, and certainly one even in the last couple of weeks we've seen. So I, I don't say that to just be the complete pessimist, but there needs to be a level of caution here, which is that all of what's happened in the last few days is serving and is quite effectively uh, setting up a distraction from talking about this, which is what the Liberals are desperately trying to avoid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. you know, I think back to the other scandals, and I think the reason this is powerful is it dents one of Trudeau's brands. It shows he's a bit of a phony. For example, he claimed to be a feminist, then we heard about his groping that reporter, Rose Knight, and he said, oh, she experienced it differently. And that sort of took the bloom off the rose, he's a male feminist. Then with minorities, he sacked Jody Wilson-Raybould, he sacked Selena Cesar Chevan, he did the blackface, and all of a sudden, he's not the darling to minorities and to indigenous people. Shows he was a bit of a phony on that. Well, youth, the youth youthful, these loving rock concert style wee gatherings. Yeah, he sort of liked them, but he was lining his pockets and those of his brother and his mother and his wife. I think what this does is one of his favorite things to do, go and give a blathery, Hallmark card style, shallow, feel-good speech to a bunch of kids. I think if he does that anymore, it's going to look just like a money grab or a conflict of interest. So one at a time, his sizzle, he's for the youth, he's for minorities, he's for aboriginal people, he, you know, he's a feminist. I think every one of those now looks like a fake or a con, and you're left with just this cool guy who's not that cool this young guy who's not that young anymore this hip guy who's not that hip this woke guy who's not that woke all the things that made him so shiny are scuffed now I don't know if that's enough to kill him politically but that's enough to make a lot of enthusiasm drain away from all those four groups I mentioned
3: I don't disagree with the the premises, but the problem is, is that he won election after a lot of those things had happened and after right. a lot of those things had been chipped away. So it, it certainly exacerbates what has become a pretty significant trend. And, and I think the whole not at advertised narrative is one that the conservatives have tried to pin on him. We are looking at a media double standard here. I, I mean, Ezra, uh, like, you know, better than anyone, Bev Oda famously uh, gets ousted on a $16 glass of orange juice. Well, we're talking about, uh, You know, I think about, you know how many millions of glasses of orange juice? I I don't know. I can't do the math, but we're talking about millions of glasses of orange juice here and the Liberals are are still getting a a pass in many respects in the media. And I think the real test will be how much does the press focus on what's in these documents? How much is the press going to fight for unredacted versions of them? How much is the media going to cover? And not just forget when the parliamentary process resumes, when Trudeau's back, how many are they uh, going to put to him and say, well, what about this what about this and and what about this
0: yeah i think you're right and i think the cbc is already in full uh launder and rinse mode for him focusing on other shiny objects if it's for love it's how Christy freeland is so amazing if it's for hate it's for how the governor general is so terrible i think the cbc is in full spin mode which is to be expected andrew lawton great to catch up with you thanks for your insights
3: as always thank you
0: all right there you have it our friend andrew lawton he is with true north Our good friends over there, you can see everything they have to offer at TNC.news. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back to my interview with a former Facebook censor. Landrew writes, Silicon Valley and the MSM have completely undermined democracy, free speech and free thought. Yeah. You know what I keep uh, finding amazing is that this story is out there. I'm not the only media who's talking to this guy. Um, American media are too, but I haven't seen this reported anywhere in Canada. And he's not keeping it a secret, is he? (laughs) MS writes, according to Facebook, Google, YouTube, and all these left-wing platforms, everything is hate speech if they disagree with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? Again, we we talked about some examples. Um, You can't criticize uh, Greta Thunberg, you can criticize Nicholas Sandman, that kid in the MAGA hat who was shouted at at the Lincoln Memorial uh, last year. It, there's such a double standard. You can call a right-winger a Nazi. That's fine. You can't call a left-wing feminist a feminazi. That's hate speech. Yeah. Susan writes, that's why I deleted Facebook. Yeah, well, you can't delete technology. You cannot live in the 21st century integrated into your community if you are offline you can't go full Ted Kaczynski log cabin in the woods it is impossible to do that unless I suppose you were like some backcountry guide but even then you would probably use GPS and a satellite phone and you'd probably take your bookings of your customers via web it's impossible to live in 2020 as a modern person without connecting to the internet and that is why we have to treat the internet like the public square, and assure that it's not taken over like you know those corporate towns, like a m- corporate mining town where every house and every street was owned by the mining company. A lot of room for abuse there. That's exactly what Facebook, Google, YouTube, and the others alike. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all let's of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home. Good night, and keep fighting for freedom.